as we gather on this Father's Day, I'm oftentimes reminded of an interaction I had with my own father. It may have been about 10 years ago, and my mother called me in the middle of a work day and started the conversation with this line that brings fear and anxiety to anyone's heart that said, hey, don't worry, but... And anytime your mama calls you and says, don't worry, but your mind automatically starts to worry. And she followed it up with words that no one ever wants to hear, which is this. Your father has had a stroke. He's fine. And I went, well, no, he's not fine, obviously. And, and she went on to kind of tell me what had happened and all of these things. And she said, so just wait and see how it kind of develops before you come. Well, if you know me, I didn't wait very long. As a youth pastor, I went into my pastor's office and said, hey, I'll be back eventually. And she said, what does that mean? I said, it means exactly what it sounds like. This is what happened. I don't know when I'll come back, but I know that I need to be there. And so I made the drive from just south of the Tennessee state line to Gulfport with only stops for gas and showed up at about midnight, pulled into the hospital parking lot, and sat in the waiting room for 24 hours. And finally, they let me back to see my dad. And for those of you that don't know, my father is a Methodist pastor, but that, that, I only shared that little tidbit of information to hopefully explain what happened next. That as I sat there and held his hand and he was able to somewhat speak, I said, Dad, I just got to ask, were you scared? It was the only words that would come to my mind, but I said, Dad, were you scared? And his response echoes in my heart and in my mind daily. As he said, no, son. He said, I knew if that was my time, I knew where I was going. He said, but now? Now I'm scared. And my brain couldn't fathom what he meant. I was like, wait a minute. The doctors say you're going to live. The doctors say everything's going to be okay. What do you mean? And his response to me was, my worry, my fear that I cannot do what God has called me to do, that I will not be able to fill a pulpit, that I will not be able to proclaim the good news. And even then, I started to realize something. And it's something that I hope we can all grasp on this day, that my father's desire was less about his earthly family and more so that we would understand what it means to be the family of God. I don't want to dismiss those men that have been fathers to us, that have shown the love and grace of Jesus Christ to us, but I would dare proclaim this, and I proclaimed it from my father's pulpit the following Sunday, that the thing that I would dare say all of your fathers hope is that you, Embrace that calling to live into the family of God, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ.
because there is no greater calling. And as I think of those words, as I ponder on those words, I'm often drawn to Romans chapter 8, beginning in the 12th verse, where we hear this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if we live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of kinship. And by God we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. This idea of being adopted into the family of God. I'll be honest with you, I I know very little about the adoption process, but what I do know is this, is once you are adopted into a family, you gain all rights and responsibilities and privileges of that family. There is no differentiation between a biological child and an adopted child. And so as we hear this text, that the the Spirit adopts us in if we are willing to enter into the family, I must ask, do we take seriously the promise that God has to be a member of the family? Because I'll be honest with you, growing up with my dad, there were many a times where I would do things and I would hear this line uttered, we don't do that. And what he meant by we don't do that is that our family does not do that. That there are ways in which if you are going to be a member of this family, you are going to abide and you are going to follow. I don't know if anybody else's daddy lived that way. My mama and my daddy, I've shared it before, many a times when I would leave the house, would utter this phrase and it would stick in the back of my mind. And they would utter, remember who you are. And this idea of remember who you are is not just, hey, I'm Ryan, I know who I am, I'm doing whatever, but it is an idea of remember that as you go forth in what you do, what you do not only reflects on you, but on us and the family. And that became even more evident when I moved to Scott County where my dad grew up and many people over and over have started to ask me, oh, are you Oscar's boy? Or when I go to annual conference, and for those of you that don't know, my mother works at the conference office, so I always hear, are you Oscar's son? Oh, are you Jackie's son? 
And it became very evident that whatever I do, however I interact, and whatever I say not only reflected on me, but on my parents. And so I have to ask the question, as we live and go about our day proclaiming God as our Father, do we take seriously that call that whatever we do, whatever we say, reflects on our Father. And I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about those values and those things that were ingrained in me from a young age, those family values, and the question arose, what would we proclaim to be the family values of God? That in order to be a member of the family of God, these are the things that we must live out. The scripture makes it clear and evident that we proclaim God as our Father. We follow the example of Jesus Christ. And so, for me, the family values of God are that we seek connection through love and mercy, grace and hope, joy and forgiveness, that we seek relationship with one another. And if you don't buy into what I'm proclaiming, the other idea is this, that when Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment, basically what is the family value by which you are called to live, what is his answer? Love God. Love everybody else. Stay in love with your father as the example of how you were called and created to live. And then through doing so, love other people. It's a call to live. It's a call to live with a commitment to the betterment of God's kingdom. To further our family. You see, this idea of adoption is not just for you and for me, but the thing is, in God's family, it is a family that is actively seeking to adopt new people every day and welcome them in that they would know God as their father, that they would feel God's love and grace and mercy, that they would feel welcome in the family. And so as I started to think, how does that live out? I, I started to reflect on my earthly father and, and how me and him interacted. And we've had a much better relationship the older I've gotten. But there are some things that were instilled in me that I hope were instilled in each and every one of us. But I think and I firmly believe our family values of the family of Christ. And the first one is this, that your pain is my problem. We live in a world that says you've got issues, figure it out. You've got hurt, figure it out. I, I'm not going to wrestle with it. But here's the thing. In our families, when there is pain, what do we do? We huddle together. We provide meals. We gather together and pray for one another. We lift one another up. We do whatever we can to alleviate said pain. So here's the thing. If we're going to be the family of God, your pain is my problem. When you have an issue, 
I should feel compelled to come to you, to gather with you, to sit with you, to be present with you, to walk with you through your hurt. Not to turn a blind eye or a hardened heart to the pain in this world. Because as we discussed last week, God is Lord of all which means all are invited to be a member of this family. So the pain for even the least and the lost is my problem. And I should do all I can to alleviate. So here's a question. How do we care for the hurting in our world? How do we care for the hurting in our congregation? Do we even know the hurts of our congregation or do we show up and then go, oh, I'm so glad I did that. And then we check out until next week, not even listening to the cares and concerns. I've shared this story before, but the good Southern thing to do every time you see somebody is say, hey, how are you? And the good Southern thing to do in response is, I'm fine and keep walking, right? That's how it works. But I'm also reminded of a day where I was walking through the church and I saw a friend of mine and I said, hey, how are you? Expecting her response to be, I'm fine. And so my response was, oh, that's good. But her response was not, I'm fine. Her response is, I'm struggling. Life's tough. Now that doesn't change the fact that in my own mind I heard, I'm fine. I said, oh, that's good and kept walking. I will say I picked up the phone later as it hit me in the back of the head on the way home and I said, I am so sorry. What is going on? You see, we live in a world where we mask our pain, where we disguise our pain, where we're not willing to address our pain because we are convinced that no one cares. It's mine to bear. But the family of God proclaims this. You've got pain, it's my problem as well. And we walk together in our hurts. We walk together seeking wholeness and healing. Because we all know the song that says, We are family. What would it look like if we shifted just a bit and said, Not only we, but they are. Family. Now you see why I'm not in the choir. But what would it look like if we lived out that care and compassion for a world that is hurting, that is broken? We come in and we proclaim it day by day and we go, hey God, do something. What would it look like if God looked at us and said, no, you do something. Your pain is my problem. When you hurt, I hurt. Maybe we need an illustration. Anybody ever woken up in the middle of the night, gone to the restroom, or, or gone to get a glass of water and stubbed your toe? I'm seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of groans. And, and it's amazing. Your little toe, you stub it, and all of a sudden, your whole body goes into like compensation mode. God bless us, but if we're honest, our mouth starts to say things that it probably shouldn't. Our mind starts to think things that it probably shouldn't. How dare them stay there asleep while I'm sitting in so much pain. And all of a sudden, our whole body just kind of starts to compensate for that pain. 
You see, there's another illustration that Jesus uses so often, aside from family, and it's this. We are the body of Christ. So when there is pain within the body, the entire body is called to compensate, to help alleviate that pain. The other thing that I'm reminded of is that Jesus calls us to remember your purpose is my passion. Your purpose is my passion. That not only am I worried about fulfilling my own purpose, but I am passionate in the fact that I know each and every one of you is created and called by Jesus Christ. And so I am passionate that you will learn what that calling is and not only learn it, but fulfill it. That so often we just kind of go, I need to take care of me. I need to fill my own issues. I need to do my own thing. And I'm reminded growing up and being in athletics that here's one thing that I learned. As an individual, you can only carry a team so far. If I'm the only one fulfilling my purpose on the team, we're still probably not going to have a winning record. But if each person learns their role, fulfills their call and their purpose, it's amazing what a team can do. And so your passion, or your purpose rather, is my passion. I long and desire for each and every one of you to learn where it is that God is calling to use you. I used an illustration this morning that I have some church members that work at the local service station. And my desire is that they don't look at that and go, it's just a paycheck. But no, it is an opportunity in order that they may share the love and grace of Jesus Christ with people that may never know it. Because each and every one of us has a purpose. And a call. I'm reminded of John 11. And John 11, you may know, is the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. In one of my favorite uh, translations of all of Scripture in the King James, it said, He stinketh. He's not just dead, but he's starting to smell ripe. And Jesus shows up. And the first thing Jesus does is he says, your pain is my problem as we hear this. Jesus wept. But then we hear that Jesus resurrects Lazarus. But notice what happens after it. If you go look at John chapter 11, I challenge you to do that later on this afternoon. But what Jesus does is he looks at the people gathered around, the family and friends. And he says, go. Unwrap him of those burial cloths. Set him free to walk and to go and to do. You see, Jesus is the one that resurrects us, but it is the family's job to unwrap us as we walk out of the tomb that we can go and fulfill our purpose, that we don't stumble over those old ways and go, that we may go forth to be the people that Jesus calls us to be. That we can walk in the way of life. We can do so freely. And this is not just the minister's job. I'm reminded many of times of different pastors that I had that would speak into other people and say, hey, do you know you're called to ministry? But here's the thing. Not each and every one of us is called to, full, to fill a pulpit on Sunday mornings, but each and every one of us has a purpose in the family of God. 
It may just be to shine a light on the issues so that those that are doers can do it. But here's the thing. I so often believe that we sell ourselves short and we go, that's not my job. But if God has laid it on your heart, I am not convinced that God is not calling you to do something about it. And so as your pastor, it may frustrate some of you, but sometimes I may look at you and go, okay, so what are you doing about it? When you look at me and go, fix it. Because sometimes I firmly believe that it is your purpose and your purpose is my passion. That you understand what God is calling you to. And finally is this, that your place is our priority. And what I mean by that is as we've talked about over the past month, that we start to realize that the church is open for all, that no one is left behind, that God is Lord of all, and all are welcome at the table if they seek God and his forgiveness and love and mercy. Here's the reality. I did nothing except for be born to be welcomed into the family. You did nothing except for be reborn to be welcomed into this family. And so who are we to keep others out that are seeking that same rebirth? that are seeking that place at the table. And so as we hear this idea that your place is my priority, it is helping others to know that they belong in the family. Instead of pushing away, it's bringing in, it's ushering in. And I'll be honest with you, this idea of hospitality is one that I'm working on. It's one that my wife gets really, really well. Anybody that shows up, my wife opens the door. She's like, hey, here's some food, here's some drinks, have a seat at the table. What can we do for you? Oh, you need a bed to stay in? That's fine, too. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is so inconvenient to me. And you would think I would get it because I've shared this story before. When I was growing up and doing youth ministry in Jackson, Dan and Beth Autry, a wonderful couple in the Broadmeadow community, my parents had moved to the coast and I was making $12,000 a year before taxes to do youth ministry. And I didn't know where I was going to live. And here's a fun fact. You can't find anywhere to rent in Jackson for $12,000 a year before taxes and live. It's not possible. And so I started to wonder what I was going to do. And Dan and Beth Autry, a couple that was not even church members but was the cooks at the daycare that the church provided, said, Hey, we've got an open room. Come stay with us. You can stay a few months while you figure everything out. And a few months turned into three years. And as I stayed with them, I started to realize that not only the hospitality that they shared with me, but the fact that almost every night our dining room table was full. Not because our family was that big, but because it was nothing for folks to just show up at 6 o'clock and say, hey, we're here for a meal. And there were moments where we would even have to pull the table out and add a leaf for people. And the phrase that kept getting uttered is, just cut the meat thinner. Because all are welcome at the table. 
Because if you're coming seeking care and love and grace, you know what we're called to do? Extend it. It's our family value. It's who we're called and created to be. Even to those that are lost, even to those estranged family members that we haven't seen and heard from in years, when they show back up, guess what? We're called to welcome them in and share the love of our Father. That's the calling of the family of God. To instill and live out the family values that we see in the scriptures of grace and mercy, hope and joy. So my question to you is this. Are you taking seriously the calling? Are you taking seriously the adoption into the family of God? Are you living out the family values that we are called to live out in this world? Are we actively seeking to adopt in other people or do we just look around and go, no, nah, we're good as we are. We've got enough. Our family's big enough. We don't need any more. Because in God's family, it is our call to proclaim, your pain is my problem. Your purpose is my passion. And your place is in the family is my priority. Amen. Amen.